I think it's amazing to me that whatever condition we find ourselves in, Jesus is there to heal us. Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today, we're going through his series called Close Encounters with Jesus. So, get ready to follow along in your Bible as we join Pastor Mike. There's a lot of fear that can come in during a trial. Now, I think this is why Jesus said this to him. Everything you've got to realize looks hopeless. His daughter has just been found dead. He just finds out this message. Jesus tells him, don't be afraid, only believe. Now, believing is important. I've seen uh, bumper stickers that say only believe. Maybe quoting Jesus right here. But without the context of the rest of the chapter, the word only believe can be quite foolish. You say, Mike, what do you mean? Well, what do you believe in? See, it isn't just only believe and just keep saying, I believe, I believe, I believe. But what are you putting your faith in? You see, as we look at the context of what we're reading here, and this is what's lacking on the bumper stickers, is that the context is that Jesus is the healer. He's the one to whom we have to do. He's the one that we have to understand where the solution to our trial comes from. So my faith has to be in God. It isn't in just simply believing for believing's sake, but it's where does your hope lie? I believe trials cause this in our life. I think trials cause us to reassess our life. You know, it's really funny. Talked to many, many people in my life over the years, and one of the guys was, I was talking to, he said, you know, I used to be so concerned about the door digging my car and, and whether I was going to get the house uh, painted in time for winter and all these different things until I went to the doctor and he diagnosed me with cancer. And then all of a sudden, all those other things absolutely meant nothing. Because a trial will cause you to refocus on what is real and what isn't real. So much of the things, friends, we worry about, even sometimes the trials that we, that we go through are, are sometimes can be so foolish. When we really look in the light of God's answer to that which is a real serious issue in our life. Oh God, I'm going through a trial. Somebody pulled the Jesus bumper sticker off my car and I don't know what I'm going to do. Well, that's a problem, Yeah. Maybe somebody didn't like it on your uh, toolbox at work. Somebody peeled your Jesus bumper sticker off there too. And that's a trial. And that's a problem. Well, yes, it is. It can be. But I'm saying when we start getting into the life and death issues. And by the way, I believe God is concerned about everything. 
our cat got into some mouse poison. And it causes, the way the mouse dies is it hemorrhages from the inside. Well, the cat decided it was pretty tasty uh, vittles, and so it ate it, and pretty soon we realized our cat was bleeding to death. And so we, uh, as much as I don't like cats, we took it to the vet. And the vet says, I've seen this a lot. Well, my little girl, really, this was her little world. This cat was so important. And she began to pray for a little cat. Now, I don't know if you ever heard a little three or four little year old kid pray. Oh, Jesus, heal my cat. And you know, I got to tell you, she had faith that I didn't have because I didn't even know if I wanted the cat to live in the first place. But she prayed, and you know, the cat, against even what the doctors thought, lived. And I look at that and I realize that depending who you are, depending what the trial is, depends on the size of it in your life. A trial to you may not be a trial to somebody else. We are going to be exposed to people all the time who have trials. My point is is this. Point them to Jesus. Not just simply to have faith or believe, but believe in him. That way you'll know who to thank when God answers the prayer. A lot of people don't realize that and don't recognize that. And so the Bible tells us, he answered and said, don't be afraid, only believe, and she will be made well or made whole. And he came into the house, and when he came uh, into the house, he permitted no one to go in except Peter, James, and John, the father and the mother of the girl. Now all wept and mourned for her, but he said, Do not weep, she's not dead, but she's sleeping. And they laughed him to scorn, knowing that she was dead. Now this is interesting, because Jarius, being a person of wealth, uh, being the head of the the temple and all, uh, the synagogue, uh, um, had already got the the, uh, mourners, professional whalers there. That's what they'd do. And they'd, whoa, you know, that kind of thing. And they were all wailing and doing all this kind of stuff. And it tells us here, they all wept and mourned for her. And Jesus said, don't weep. She's not dead. She's sleeping. They laughed him to scorn. You know, there's nothing I believe that will take a person out of this, the miracle working power of God than doubt. They laughed him to scorn, knowing he was dead, and so he put them all out. Took her by the hand, called and said to her, little girl, arise. In one of the other Gospels, it says, Tabitha, arise. Very endearing term. Then her spirit returned. She arose immediately, and he commanded that she be given something to eat. By the way, dead people don't eat alive. Now notice this. Says he took with him Peter, James, and John. No one knows why these three were singled out. Other than John, John the beloved disciple, Jesus might just allow him to come in and watch it, but we know Peter was kind of a shoot, aim, ready kind of guy. We know that James, one of the sons of thunder, maybe Jesus held them close to him because he didn't know what they were going to do. I don't know. 
But he brought them with him and the father and the mother of the girl. Now, again, when Jesus said she's not dead, she's only sleeping, they laughed him to scorn. And by the way, everybody was out. And I've always told people this. You don't want to see the miracles of God, you won't see the miracles of God. It's just the way it works. I like to put myself where I see the power of God. And oftentimes that is where you go out of your comfort zone to see God do something supernatural. I've had people share with me many times. I've shared this before. If you're new here, people said, well, why was God such a God of miracles and all those things in the Old Testament, New Testament, we don't see miracles anymore. I go, well, you're evidently not living close enough to the edge to need to see a miracle. Because when you do, you will see the miracle hand of God. God's still in the miracle working business. Didn't start in Acts chapter 2 in the infilling of the Holy Spirit on the believers. Miracles all the way through the Old Testament. What does that tell me? It tells me God wants to do miracles. Are you living close enough to the edge? Do you push the envelope enough in Jesus Christ to need that miracle? Sometimes in pushing that envelope creates the trial. Creates the issue. But that's where God comes through. And so he says, put them all out. Took her by the hand. Little girl, arise. Notice in verse 55, and it's underlined in my Bible. I suggest you underline it in yours and write it in the front of your Bible, okay? This verse. Her spirit returned. Now, there are groups of people out there in the religious world that believes in what's called soul sleep. This verse clearly says there is no such thing as soul sleep. Notice it does not say, then her spirit woke up within her. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says it returned. Why? The Bible tells us when we die, our spirit departs from this shell. Isn't it nice to know for every one of us in this room that you're not really what we all look at? You live inside of this shell? Someday we're going to get a brand new one, the Bible says. One that doesn't break down, one that doesn't get sick, one that doesn't become corrupted, one that doesn't have an old sin nature bent on sinning. We're going to get a brand new one. That's good news. But until we get that new body, the Bible says we live in this one. And when we breathe our last, the Bible says to be absent from the body, if you're a Christian, is to be present with the Lord. That's good news. Our body's going to stay here. It's under the curse. That's why uh, we drive out by the cemetery and we find all those tombstones or in the memorial park, all those little placards in the, in the lawn that says their name and how long they lived and all those things. Now you're going to get a new body. We need a new body. The older you get, the more you realize you need one. Now, you don't have to be in your 50s, 60s to realize you need a new body. If you played high school, college football, if you're probably in your late 30s right now, you probably are beginning to realize your need for a new body. Why? Because this one breaks down. It gets bruised. It gets dented. It doesn't do what it used to do. And even old injuries that we had when we were in our 20s, now we have what's called arthritis creeping into those cracks. Oh yeah, friends, we need a new body. The good news is God's made us one. Now the Bible says we're not exactly sure what we're going to be, but we know that when we see him, we're going to be like him. I like that. So that tells me that when you get to heaven, people are going to know who you are. You're not going to walk up and say, oh, hi, faceless wonder. Who are you? Are you one of the iPods that were from earth? No, God, 
you're gonna, everybody's going to know who you are. And when we get to heaven, it isn't that we just went through a bulk race on our head and we don't remember anything. You're going to know all the things you know now. So this is why, again, this new body is really great. And it's going to have something to do, our new body, with the millennial reign of Christ. I believe anybody that's died today in faith or in heaven with the Lord and that spirit world and all those things, they don't need a body. But the Bible tells us we're going to rule and reign with him on this earth. We're going to need some kind of a shell that will do that. Well, it says her spirit returns. So you might want to write that down in your Bible. If you run into somebody that's into soul sleep, um, very clearly here it says it's not her spirit returned. And by the way, this is also found, uh, this is also found in the Old Testament as well. When Elijah healed a little boy, it says his spirit returned to him. So she arose immediately. And he commanded that she be given something to eat. And her parents were astonished. I believe that's probably a great understatement. Why is that? Because their little girl who was dead is now alive. And now we find he charged them to tell no one what had happened. Oh, yeah. How is that going to be? You got a whole yard full of mourners just made fun of you for saying she's not really dead, she's sleeping. And now she gets up and walks outside and starts playing out in the yard again and no one's going to notice. What is the natural response to that? You want to tell everybody. I really don't know, and I've read a lot of uh, commentaries on this, why Jesus oftentimes would tell somebody, don't tell anyone. Does God know our human nature so much that, well, don't tell anybody about this great sale at this store that's going out of business. Everything is 90% off. Don't tell anyone, hey man, our little, our little cell phones are glowing because we're telling all of our friends. Is it just part of the old sin nature when we're told not to do something, we want to do it? Wet paint, don't touch. I got to touch. You're going into a store. The door says pull, I push. If it says push, I pull. You know, I mean, that's just the way it is. Speed limit says 55. I got to go 57. Why is that? I think this is part of an Olsen rebellion. Many people believe, though, maybe it was because that Jesus didn't want people necessarily to believe in him because of his miracles, but the message that he was given that their sins could be forgiven. I believe that's possible, too. But whatever it is, Jesus did this miracle. This miracle was done behind closed doors for this little girl that was 12 years old. The other daughter, her miracle was done in public. For 12 years, she was in misery and now made whole. They had 12 years of joy. Then it was crushed. I think it's amazing to me that whatever condition we find ourselves in, Jesus is there to heal us. You got a big God. And you got a God that is not bound by time, space, and matter. You got a God that will help you through whatever it is you need to go through. But you might say, well, Mike, you don't understand. I got myself into this mess. Mm -hmm. Yep. God's still bigger than the things you've done wrong. Isn't that good to know? God can fix what you break. I've always shared this. I, I never can get over it enough. When you study religion, Middle Eastern religion, all these different cults, they'll all in some way try to tell you how to get right and appease God. 
Go sell so many, you know, uh, books at the corner. Uh, go sell flowers in the airport. Go to get right with God. But no, none of these religions say how God will rebuild you. Only true Christianity does that. Only true Jesus rebuilds us, restores. The Bible says the years the canker worm is eaten. Some of you, you've had the canker worms chewing on you for a long, long, long time. Isn't it time you stop? Turn it over to Jesus and say, okay, God, bring the Terminix man and kill all in bugs and restore me. Because that's what happens. You see, God is the rebuilder. He knows what you need in your life. And when you're restored and you're blessed, don't feel that God has forgotten you if you go through a trial because, again, God wants you to depend on him. We're people of need. God is the solution. People of need. God is the solution. Always remember that. And if you go through a trial, maybe it might be just God saying, hey, I want to spend a little closer time with you. Have you ever noticed how fervent your prayers are when you've got an issue in your life? And you're going, God! You know, and I mean, I mean you, you literally, you, you're just, you just feel like you're going to explode because whatever it is in your life is so, so monumentous. But when we don't have a trial, do we pray like that? Nah, I haven't talked to God for a while. I'll call him when I've got a problem. God says, do I have to give you a problem every single day so you'll come to me? Maybe. But if he does, don't ever feel he doesn't love you. He wants to spend that time with you. I want to just encourage everybody first, spend time with Jesus. Talk to him every day. You know, just get alone with the Lord and just say, God, thank you for what you've given me. We talked about thankfulness last week and how important it is. But just thank him for what he's done. Don't be like the nine lepers that were healed and then only one come back and said, thank you. We want to thank God for everything that he's done for us. When you take inventory, you realize the things, God, you've given to me that I'm thankful for are things which you can use for the kingdom of heaven. Oh, yeah, I need to be reminded of what I have, that these things are yours so I can bless you with it. Oh, I get it. God does that in our life. The second thing is, when people see you in your relationship with God, just think of Jarius. His daughter was dead. All hope was lost. This other woman got in the way of his daughter being healed because now she's dead. Now, back alive. Can you imagine the joy that was in Jarius' family? And I look at that and I realize, God, you got something you want us to do. And I want to be part of whatever it is you want to do. Never think the trial is meant to drive you away from God. The trial is meant to bring you to God. He's the source of what you need. And no matter how bad, how dismal, how dark it looks, God is still the one that we believe in. Don't fear, but believe in him. And let God do that. You know, a lot of times when we share, I share, I always have the the directive of of a person that doesn't know Christ to come into the fullness of Christ, recognizing Jesus died on the cross for them and their sins can be forgiven. But I think a lot of times we as Christians need a message too. And that is, no matter what you and me go through as his children, God's going to see us through. Don't fear, just believe in him and you'll be blessed. This morning, if you're not a Christian, 
My heart goes out to you for a couple of reasons. One, you have no one to help you through your problem. And even if an outside source comes in to help you, you will have another problem that eventually will be bigger than you are. I am amazed how many people find Christ in the middle of their problems when they realize life is bigger than they are. And so be it. It's what it took in my parents' home. When I was growing up, it wasn't until my sister got to the point of death that the doctor came in and looked at my mom and said, if you got a prayer, you better say it. My mom said at that moment, she realized she was so far away from God, she didn't even know how to pray. And that's when she rededicated her life to the Lord. You see, a lot of times trials bring us closer to God. But the idea is even we as Christians, those trials bring us closer to God. Let God be God in your life today. If you're not a Christian, you have no one to bring your trouble to. So you carry it yourself. You are never designed to carry the weight of the world. So I want to invite you today. Do you want another 10 years like you just had? Or would you like to say, okay, God, from now on, I'm going to give you my life. Whatever time I have left on this planet, it belongs to you. I'll be about your business, whatever you want me to do. If you want me to go to deepest, darkest Africa, I'll go there. If you want me to go to Hawaii, I'll go there. But whatever it is you want me to do, that's what I want to do for you. That's what becoming a Christian is. When Jesus taught the disciples to pray, he said, Our Father, which art in heaven. I like that. Again, Daddy. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's what God wants. This morning, if you're a backslidden Christian, you know God, but God's not first in your life. There's so many things in this world has now taken its place. That relationship with God, I just want to invite you to come home to Jesus. If you're not a Christian, you need Jesus in your life. Otherwise, your life's meaningless. Look, you gained the whole world, buddy. Lost your own soul. What is a prophet? And the rest of us, I just pray that we recognize that dependency God has for us. And remind yourself that if I go through a problem, it's not because God doesn't love me. It's because he does and he's driving me into his arms. So important. If you're not a Christian here this morning, you don't want to keep living the way you've lived. We're going to pray right now. And you can turn your life over to Christ. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I have been distant from you. And I've done my own thing. And I'm not happy. So from this day forward, I turn my life over to you. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. took my place. My sins are forgiven. So from this day forward, fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me the best I can be for you. Direct me and guide me for your purposes. Surround me with your love and cause me to understand how much you love me in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com. On behalf of Pastor Mike 
and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship. Thanks for listening, and tune in next time for It's Time.